This week on the podcast, talking to the co-founder of Rallybound about peer-to-peer fundraising and how your nonprofit can get started. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Well, I was able to wrangle the co-founder of Rallybound and the general manager of fundraising at Neon One, Joe McGee, is here today to talk to us about peer-to-peer fundraising. How's it going, Joe? It's going well, George. How's it going? Well, look, I I stalked you down because I am really fascinated with peer-to-peer fundraising. Uh, I think there's a lot of upside that people may not see, and uh, as many organizations as could be, should be, might be, aren't doing it. Before I dive that way, what is Rallybound? So Rallybound is an online fundraising platform for mission-driven organizations. Uh, We've been around for about six years, and we've helped hundreds of nonprofits raise millions of dollars online with the average transaction is 75 bucks, so processing high volumes of transactions. And that recently just got, I don't know, acquired or partnered up with Neon One. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, we established a partnership. Technically, uh, there was a financial transaction last summer, August, between Rallybound and Neon CRM out of Chicago, creating this entity called Neon One. And what is a Neon One? So Neon One is an ecosystem of software tools for mission-driven organizations. So we're trying to help organizations grow and operate through technology and innovation. We started out with Rallybound and peer-to-peer digital fundraising and Neon CRM and the constituent management relationship side, database management, and have since added Civicor, which is client case management and giving days out of Denver, and most recently Arts People out of Portland, which specializes in event management and a ticketing platform. All right. Well, uh, lots of software to be had, but the important thing is you're raising, as you mentioned, millions of dollars. Can you give me and the audience an idea of the size, however you want to define that, the size of peer-to-peer fundraising last year? Yeah, so I think as an industry, when you look at peer-to-peer, there's a top 30, which is put on by the Peer-to-Peer Professional Forum, I believe is the entity. They track about 30 nonprofits annually that raise about $1.5 billion in peer-to-peer fundraising. And these are the traditional large walkathons, the Susan G. Komens of the world, the American Cancer Societies of the world. And this is a not a new method of fundraising. Peer-to-peer people asking people for money has been transpiring for, for decades. So when you look at how email, social media, and online tools has really catapulted peer-to-peer fundraising, there's a massive amount of revenue that's being processed in this method. Rallybound, for its part, has done uh, about 100 to $150 million online each year. Uh, when we were getting started, obviously we were much smaller. We had rapid, rapid growth before joining Neon One. Neon One, just for its part, as a entity with the four business units has done 
$10 billion in their history, and we now support 30,000 nonprofits. So some subset of that is in peer-to-peer and social fundraising. I was just like rolling around in my head being like, wait a minute, isn't everything peer-to-peer? At some point, some human asked another human for money. Maybe they did it on behalf of the organization. Uh, where do you draw the lines on you know, the classically defined peer-to-peer fundraising? Totally. That's a great, great question. So I actually take uh, quite issue with the term peer-to-peer. If you're familiar, it's a... (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that's recorded. I have a huge issue with money. It's just the term, you know, it's when you're in business and you have sort of marketing jargon or speak and you're throwing around acronyms, it does get confusing for organizations or or any practitioners of business when when you start throwing around jargon. But peer-to-peer if you recall, was a 80s server-to-server communication networking technology, right? Uh, Now it's being used, even sort of the Venmos of the world in which the transaction is happening, a person to a person. So going off of that basic concept applied to nonprofit, it's where your constituent, an external individual to your organization, is reaching out to their mother, father, wife, friend on behalf of your organization. So there's there's this chain. Uh, it's not the executive director. It's not the development manager inside the organization who's reaching out on behalf of the brand. You're leveraging a constituent to do that outreach, hence the peer-to-peer concept. But I would even extend that now to social fundraising is, is a term that I, I sort of gravitate towards you know, crowdfunding for all intents and purposes can now be applied to quote unquote peer to peer. So it gets a little muddy when you start trying to define getting back to base. It's it's a person to person ask. And the context can be, as you mentioned, a walkathon or, you know, a would you consider birthday fundraisers peer to peer? 100 percent. Yeah. So I think the first, oddly enough, the first walkathon happened, I think, in the 70s in Puerto Rico by some uh, Jerry Lewis type uh, entertainment figure who wanted to raise money. It might have been March of Dimes. But the concept of a walkathon event fundraising is another term is something like three or four decades old. Yeah, there's many types of peer to peer fundraising. I would say walkathon. 5Ks, endurance, bike rides. You know, I'm, I'm running the New York City Marathon this fall for an organization called Back on My Feet. I've created a peer-to-peer campaign for that event. So there's a lot of different ways, and, and I'm going to be applying it to my birthday later this summer uh, to roll up into this campaign to trace, try to raise money for the organization. What's interesting about uh, the mindset, which is uh, I like a lot more than just the the donate activity of just give us money, is that it is asking for the people that care the most about your organization to actually donate their time, social reputation, reputation and leverage for then some type of, of activity. Um, what is nice about that again is that you know people are more likely to give when they're asked by their friends like the amount of times i've you know given to bike rides and walks and you name it is like oh yeah i'll throw 25 50 bucks um but those those add up and because they're my friend i go and do it now are those the main social dynamics in play or are there other 
trends that you see given the scale that you work at? So I think that there, there's some statistic whereby an individual would give to someone they're familiar with, they have a pre-existing relationship to something like 75% more than an unrecognizable brand or, or, or just a brand in general. And I think that's a powerful statistic in that you want to support individuals, you want to support your friends, you want to support your family. And if they have a significant stake, if they're spending their social capital to go out and ask you for 50 bucks, that is that is not a simple task, right? You have to have trust, you have to have a pre-existing relationship, you have to be really inspired to help an organization drive their mission further. So the reputation, the time sometimes can be worth hand over fist way more than say a five, 10, or maybe even a hundred dollar donation. And I think that when you get a group of individuals to take that time to send an email, to talk to their friends, to post on Facebook, the value that the organization is getting is, is an exponential multiple of say the significant monetary outcome of a donation. So that's where the whole concept, the whole value and the whole power of peer to peer and why organizations have for many years been using it to great effect to which a significant part of their revenue is driven by this peer to peer social fundraising concept. Yeah. What uh, do you happen to know what, what percent of nonprofits is like a very broad base and brush uh, are using peer to peer fundraising? Are those numbers even like really available given the definitions? Yeah. So it's definitely not available or readily available. Uh, and I think that if you look at overall giving, if it's something like $290 billion in the United States, I think less than 10% of that is done on, done online. I would probably even say, venture to say of that 10%, less than half is probably done in peer to peer. But Peer-to-peer -peer social fundraising is definitely the fastest growing method of, of online giving. Um, and I think that organizations that think it's a foreign concept should really do a little bit more digging. Because a, a, as you stated earlier, at the end of the day, everyone, an individual is asking another individual. So there is a connection, a human connection between a lot of those asks. So the methodology or sometimes the allure of peer-to-peer -peer fundraising is not all that mystique. It's it, People are doing this in their day-to-day. -day. They just might not call it that term. But yeah, the, the statistics are very light. I would uh, point you to the peer-to-peer -peer forum. They do a, a survey every year. That's where that top 30 comes in. Yeah, I think the big picture here is that, um, statistically speaking, a listener right now is probably not engaged in this for their organization. Uh, and I, I want to tease this out and put you on the spot because that's what this podcast is all about, uh, to design, uh, to design the, the idea for a given nonprofit listening right now, let's say they're around, you know, $2 million ish, uh, annual revenue. Uh, they are focused on an organization cause like, uh, the environment. If you build it, will they come, right? Oh, all I have to do is go to, you know, Rallybound or, or this type of product toss it on my site and let it run. Will that work? Not if you approach it that way. But <laughs> <laughs> It seems you're, you're being quite lazy, sir, in your approach. So um, 
cool. I, I actually, we have a great example of this. It might be a little lofty, but for instance, the Sierra Club, consummate professionals at fundraising. Uh, you know, I, I love the organization because I used to canvas for them in high school. They recognized that peer-to-peer fundraising and social fundraising was an opportunity that they weren't tapping into. This is about three years ago, I think. And so via email and, and just generally online campaigns and advocacy, the Sierra Club, is, you know, in the environmental space, you would argue that you couldn't do it better. So what they did is they actually came to Rallybound at the time and said, hey, we want to create this space for our constituents to raise money on our behalf. And the way they went about it and the way that I sort of describe it to other organizations is if you think about a digital destination that people want to interact with and spend time in, that's the way that I think about how to kick off peer to peer just from scratch. And this is not the event fundraising side, which I would say there's more overhead, there's more cost, there's more plan. plan and that's that the walk type of thing you were talking that's about or a the, run or. Exactly, exactly. That's the 5Ks, the bikes, the walkathons, um, which, you know, if you dig into some of the statistics are, are somewhat flat year over year these days. I think the, the walkathon is a little waning, I think, in desired and constituents. There's definitely demographics that are really charged up and, and some of the largest organizations have really sort of perfected that, that series at a, at a large scale. But if you think about just starting small, you know, you could look to tactics like inbound marketing or like social networking in that you want to create a space in which your constituents want to interact with. And frankly, they want to spend their social capital on a mission that they are passionate about. So Sierra Club created TeamSierra.org. And if you go there, you're going to see some pretty amazing stuff. It's There's custom iconography. There's custom font. And and that's at a that's at a, a a level, an echelon that is is amazing, right? Sierra Club is an amazing organization, but you don't have to be the Sierra Club in the environmental space to start peer-to-peer. There's a lot of free tools out there. I mean, look, Facebook started launching some of these things and there's free tools, you know, that have uh, grown and been around for, for a number of years that you can test the waters out and see if your constituents are even uh, slightly interested in the concept of raising money on your behalf. But The one other factor that I would say in starting small, creating a digital space in which your constituents want to interact with is also your cause, sort of your mission and strategy. You know, I think that health and human services, uh, child advocacy, uh, all have very linear, uh, tangible actions as it relates to raising money through a network of people and sort of, you know, I hate to put it this way, but pulls at your heartstrings. I think organizations that might do membership might be, you know, some type of association or, you know, not that sexy of a cause. Again, hate to put it in these terms. They have to approach peer-to-peer slightly differently. Um, So you look at things like board fundraising, right? Your board members are always saying, what are you going to do for revenue? How are you raising more money? I always talk to organizations about how do you turn it on them and say, hey, look, you're an individual, you're an influential person in a network. Think about creating a fundraising page for your birthday on behalf of the organization that you're a board member of and sharing it with your friends and family and see if you get any traction. 
Yeah, I like this idea of starting small and not being, because in my mind, in my mind, I needed this big hook, right? Like I need the perfect, you know, alliteration campaign that's, you know, accessible, clever and whatnot. But you're actually saying the other way, start small, get a few ambassadors, it sounds like create the online environment in which they can see each other interact the right tools are there so they can make the ask uh, and kind of foster that is that what i'm hearing yeah definitely and i think there's 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 data behind this too it's it's it doesn't have to be so anecdotal right the fact that something like the average individual has 300 friends on facebook and 500 emails in their online contact book now granted there's a percentage that might overlap, but think about a thousand contacts that each individual has. If you get 10 individuals to create a page or, or five individuals to create a page, share once on Facebook and send out one email, you can see how this quickly and exponentially grows in your reach. Uh, you know, your, your Facebook ads, your website, the Google uh, searches, the SEO that you might be perfecting is a distribution channel for your cause and mission and constituents. But you should tap into the people that care about your mission, the people that care about your organization, and ask them to spread the word and ask their friends for money. And I think that organizations that are testing these waters will be pleasantly surprised that You'll get traction, you'll get small dollar donations, but then you'll get other email addresses. And again, this is a byproduct of peer to peer that I think gets overlooked that the brand equity that you're going to gain and the data that you're going to understand from your constituents sharing your message on Facebook, sharing why they're uh, passionate about your cause via email to their network. It's, it's going to, in the long run, outweigh maybe the hundred or even a thousand or five thousand dollars that you're going to raise in that specific campaign. It's, it's an overall strategy that's going to help your organization in a long lasting way. Yeah, because your message is being carried that much farther and it gets into this idea of growing your, your audience list. I do want to touch on this some more. Looking at some of the data, it's interesting how I think there's like a misnomer that like if I on behalf of organization X, go out and I get, you know, 50 of my friends to give a small amount of money. I feel like nonprofits assume that my 50 friends are now like their top donors and they're like getting frustrated when they don't return as givers. Like their connection is to me and then the organization. Can you talk about some of that retention or retention myth that you see um, or don't see in the data? Yeah. Definitely. So we've done some statistics. I don't necessarily have them offhand, but we definitely have at rallybound.com some white papers on fundraiser retention. So we, we obviously focus on that aspect. We don't necessarily focus on the donor retention because, as you accurately stated, peer-to-peer -peer as a strategy, what we like to say is, is the first touch point in creating that donor relationship. And that touch point is via a trusted source that is their friend, their family, or within their network or sphere of influence, let's say. Nonprofit organizations, mission-driven organizations should not get frustrated when that $10 donor who gave to Joe McGee for the New York City Marathon campaign 
doesn't donate again. Rather, they should look at it in building their network, building their email list, and be able to retarget them in smart and effective ways. So for instance, in a uh, donation form, if you're going to capture their location, because you'll have their billing information, then do some type of segmentation or outreach that is geographic specific to that donor. Uh, message to me why, say, in the context of the issues surrounding Los Angeles, that I would be interested in your organization because that's where I live, that's where I work, uh, and, and so on and so forth. So it, it is a tricky subject, um, and I think that it needs to be viewed in the, in the correct lens in that it's an extension of your strategy. It's not a silver bullet. It's definitely, you know, if you, if you think about the, the spectrum of giving, you might have peer-to-peer -peer on one side and, and major gifts uh, and corporate sponsorships on the other. So these are two opposite ends of the spectrum and, and warrant two different types of strategy. And it's time to feed the whales with a quick ad. Did you know that 83% of the people on average, according to MNR, that go to your donate page do not give? Check your doctor, results may vary, but people leave your donate page at a staggering level. GetLighthouse.io allows you to create a list of emails that went to that donate page but didn't necessarily give, allowing you to send a note, a follow-up saying, hey, how can I help you give? It connects to Google Analytics and MailChimp to add this functionality to your existing site. Go check it out at getlighthouse.io and back to our show. I'm glad you sort of reinforced that and uh, the, you know, you can, you can try to get blood from a stone with regard to 100% retentions and getting frustrated. Like, why didn't we keep everybody we just added? Well, you can keep more of them if you segment, if you consider what their actual connection to the cause was and that it is a, despite the fact that they demonstrated a donation, it is not the same as somebody coming to your donate page because they found you, because they like you, because they follow you. They follow someone who follows you and that's uh, a nuance. And you know, to the point of the data, you know, we mentioned, uh, you, you dropped the F-bomb first, uh, sorry, Facebook. Uh, and you know it's important to note that you don't get those data. It is super accessible. They take zero fees, but you don't get those data. And in there are tons of relationships that you just mentioned could be leveraged to grow uh, grow the audience. So you know, uh, no such thing as a free lunch when it when it comes to those. Yeah, it just has to be viewed in in balance and and time commitment and return. Right? Yeah, everyone's thinking about what's my rate of return? What's my return on investment? And if you think about Facebook, Facebook is a network. You're already there. Chances are you have an organization's page. Your constituents and donors, chances are, are already there. If the time and resource investment is minimal and the return is, call it X, I would gather to say in that instance that your investment is going to be worth the return. Hmm. Specifically in that instance. And so it, I, yeah. I, I want you to talk more, though, about the time because simply setting up this online space, uh, I can imagine, you know, I get 10 or 100 people, whatever it may be, interacting with this environment. Uh, I have to staff this. Can you talk about the requirements on the organization side for, for management of, of these types of campaigns? In 2019, where you have 
software as a service, uh, SaaS is the acronym that's commonly thrown around. And, and these are, these are all your web tools. These are your Gmail client. This is Google Docs. This is Outlook. This, the, the, they're all online and accessible via a web browser or frankly, your iPhone or Android these days. So they're, they're very accessible. And I think these days where individuals have grown up on the internet, grown up with digital tools, you will find people who want to work for your cause and want to help you raise money. And these are operators internal to the organization that are going to be familiar with these tools. That wasn't necessarily as easily said five or even seven years ago, where technology was server side, you had to have some type of application or software that was installed on a device. It wasn't easily accessible. And to operate it, you had to either be a computer science major or an Excel whiz. So just sort of starting at that point, there's many, many software tools, obviously Rallybound and the collection of Neon One is an ecosystem of those, but there's many, many tools out there that are cloud-based and easily accessible. So starting from that premise, got to pick the right platform. The resource and the time behind it, you know, I've seen organizations, look, going back to the Sierra Club as an example, they had one person. It's like a, I don't know, multi, multi-million dollar organization. They wanted to invest in one peer-to-peer. Uh, -peer. They hired one person and they raised a few hundred thousand dollars fairly easily with one person. Now there was, you know, staffing around email and comms and digital design, but again, that just takes it to a whole new level. So I would say that you definitely want to carve out, call it 25% or 50% of some marketing and communications staff to dedicate to peer to peer if you're going to take it seriously. And I think that you, you can set a goal. You can set a goal of, Call it $20,000. If we raise $20,000 in three months, you just back into that number and you have 25%, you can start doing the internal rate of return of whether that's going to be worth your time. But um, one should not look at the humans of the world, which is extremely sophisticated. They've been doing this for many, many years. They have a staff of, I don't know, 10 just maybe on the CRM side, for instance, to think that you can't get to a sophisticated digital fundraising program with with just a little bit of investment. So I think there's a misnomer on that whole concept. Yeah. I think it's super fair for you to 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 make that statement and important for anybody willing to to test the water to to realize that uh, it does take um it does take some capital. Alrighty. Joe, we're gonna move into the rapid fire round. Please keep your responses to around thirty seconds. Are you ready? Ready. What is one tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the last year? We started using Tableau for data analytics, and it's been extremely helpful. We were really excited about getting our hands on some metrics and engagement information that was really baked into the product. Uh, we're still going through a little bit of a learning curve, but yeah, big data, um, Tableau specifically, was, was something that was a, a pretty cool tech tool we implemented last year. What tech challenges or issues are you battling with? <laughs> Data. Um, so on the same topic, I think there's so much information, especially on 
on in software online when you have peer to peer you have a admin you have a fundraiser you have a donor those are three stakeholder and user types when you're trying to understand so i think data even though we have a tool we're investing in it we have a roadmap it's still uh, we're still a long ways off what is coming in the next year that has you the most excited i think the ability for organizations to finally as i was referencing finally get to a place where they understand software can be connected can be accessible and can be innovative I think there's a whole sea change that's happening, especially at the enterprise, where organizations realize there's there's choices out there, there's modern, innovative tools, uh, and they're starting to take a serious look at it. Talk about a mistake you made earlier in your career that now shapes the way you do things today. A mistake earlier in my career, I would say worrying about the small stuff and really focusing or dwelling on the things that were going wrong. In the grand scheme of things, it's just a blip on the radar. And I think you always need to focus now, knowing what I know now, focus on the big picture and keep driving towards that vision. What is something you think you or your organization should stop doing? I really want to say meetings, but as I've uh, learned becoming a part of a much larger organization, as I mentioned, we're now four business units, I think 300 employees across eight states, Connected uh, information transfer, repetitiveness is is so, so critical. So I would say uh, not necessarily having more meetings, but being better communicators at disseminating information across the organization. Do you believe nonprofits can successfully go out of business? I hope so. If your sole purpose for operating is to solve a disease or, or cure a disease or solve a societal issue. I, for one, hope that we can solve these challenges and that existence or reason for that organization's existence is, is no longer needed. If you had a Harry Potter-style wand to wave across the nonprofit sector, what would it do? It would allow organizations to realize that the Risk or perceived risk of technology is not as great as they sometimes internalize it. And that innovation and the push for innovation and technology is worth their time, effort, and sometimes heartache. How did you get started in the social impact sector? 10 or 15 years ago, I recognized that Profit and purpose were not mutually exclusive. And I found that there were mission-driven organizations that were willing to invest in design, technology, and strategy. And it was a very small amount, but recognized that I could continue to do this. And, and I've been trying to convince nonprofits to adopt new technology again for, for almost 10 years and, and realize that you can both make money and, and make a difference at the same time. What advice would you give college grads looking to enter the sector? Volunteer and step out of your comfort zone. I think that there's been a move. And, you know, when you're older, you have a mortgage, you have kids, it's, it's much more difficult. But take risks, volunteer, do things for free to get experience. I think that uh, I did that early on and it really helped me in spades. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Final question. How do people find you? How do people help you? Yeah, so you can find me at uh, KJ McGee, M-A-G-E-E, -E, on Twitter. You can follow Neon One at Neon One Tech on Twitter. 
and rallybound at R-A-L-L-Y-B-O-U-N-D on Twitter. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time and knowledge on the topic. Super helpful, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. It's a good time. This has been episode 135. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Resources are available at com slash podcast. And you know what? We would love a rating on iTunes or whatever platform you have new listening on. Thanks for joining us. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us.